Welcome to the That Healing Feeling Podcast. I'm your host, Faith Ashenden, founder, CEO, and master mindset coach. I'm obsessed with helping you awake the healer within yourself so that you can step into a reality wilder than your wildest dreams. Join me in training your brain, rewiring your subconscious, and changing your inner world so that you can heal. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the That Healing Feeling Podcast. I'm so glad you're here spending time with me today and I'm truly honored to bring you this episode. When I say that I have been listening to this episode myself since recording, I am seriously telling the truth. Luke Draper is my special guest today who I found on TikTok and of course I binged his videos Because he's just one of those people who makes you reconsider everything you've ever known to be true. He is truly like a perspective breaker, reality shifter. He has a gift. And I'm honored. He actually told me when we jumped on the podcast that I was the only podcast interview he's ever said yes to. So I feel just super, super special to say the least. But seriously, I'm honored to bring you this conversation because I... I know and I feel it deep down that it's going to make a genuine impact on your life. Listen to it as many times as you need. He is so incredibly wise. Oh my God. So Luke Draper is a spiritual therapist who helps people to heal from suffering and find peace through spiritual teachings. He really marries a lot of the work that I'm doing in the more neurobiology space with the spiritual space. And he focuses on transcending thought. This is a huge part of what I help my clients do when it comes to healing chronic illness. Luke breaks it down in a way that blew my mind. Honestly, it was extremely special to have this podcast recording right before I go into labor because it truly had an impact on me. And I know that it's going to support me through a really spiritual time in my life that I have to really mentally prepare for. And I'm excited. I'm just excited, you guys, to bring this to you. So enjoy this episode. Soak it in. Please DM us. Let me know what you thought about it and if it shook you the way that it shook me. And make sure to scroll down to the show notes when you're done. Do yourself a favor and follow Luke on TikTok. Like, this is one of the most clutch self-care moves you could make. Also check out his website and his link tree. Everything is there for you because I know you're going to want to contact this amazing human being. As always, enjoy. All right. I am here with Luke Draper, who is a spiritual therapist who is all over my TikTok. (laughs) You are very famous in my space and I am just so blown away by your message. And it's clear that you're inspiring so many people and really just like actually getting people to have that light bulb moment in a very short amount of time in short form content, which is really, really hard to do. Um, So I'm so excited um, to have you here. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Excited to be here. Yeah. I'm excited for this conversation um, because a lot of what I see you talking about, it's it's so in alignment with what I speak to my clients about. And they're always kind of saying, 
I'd like to learn more about this, or is there someone else who I can dive into this specific, you know, area with, um, to continue their healing journey. And this really, really like sparked my interest. Cause I'm like, this is so absolutely in line, um, with, all the work that we do in terms of regulating the nervous system and then specific brain training exercises and all of that. Um, So I'd love to just hear from you first a little bit about like who you are and what you do, and then we can kind of dive into your really, really interesting work. Amazing. So yeah, so I help people to see that the majority of the suffering that we humans experience is inflicted by what I call the thinking mind. So the thoughts that consistently run in our mind from the moment our eyes open in the morning to the moment they close at night. There is just this incessant stream of thoughts happening autonomously and uncontrollably. Now, for most people, it takes a while for them to see this because they're so identified with it. They're so identified with their thinking mind that there's no awareness over it. So it's just running completely And of course, the thoughts lead to our feelings. So if we're constantly thinking fearful thoughts, we're going to be constantly feeling fear. If we're constantly thinking sad thoughts, we're constantly feeling sad. So the moment you can begin to recognize that the thinking mind is there, that it's running autonomously, and most importantly, you are not it, that is most people's first glimpse into what's often called a spiritual awakening so hopefully that's not too of a new age concept for many people because it is a bit of a thing that people can sometimes turn their nose up a little bit i would have done this in the past until it happened to me but just to tell you a little bit about what happened to me was that i used to have a lot of depression a lot of anxiety a lot of panic attacks um kind of consistently and there was one day that came where i started to see the reason for that, the reason for my depression and my anxiety. And I thought it was because what people tell me, which is a chemical imbalance in the brain or usually what's happening around you. So your life situation. So, you, you know, I didn't have a job at the time. I just you know, left university. It was COVID and all of this stuff. And I thought that was what was causing my suffering. What really became apparent to me, but it, it wasn't the, the, the situation. It was the thoughts in my mind continuously running, interpreting the world in a negative light. So I often say people have a veil in front of their in their eyes, a veil of conceptual thoughts, where they're not actually seeing the world as it is. They're seeing thoughts about the world. They're interpreting it and judging it. And very often it gets interpreted in a negative light, which leads to negative feelings in the body. And that's how people get trapped in this quite horrific state of emotional turmoil and suffering because they can't get themselves out of the thinking mind. And of course, the freeing realization is you are not the thinking mind. You're the one observing it. You are the, the essence of yourself. That is the awareness of thought. So that is kind of what I do and what I show people to, to see. And then guiding them through the process of transcending thought. That's the aim of what kind of what I do. I mean, that's huge because that's ultimate freedom, isn't it? Being it's able liberation. to. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that is. And, and I think it's it's perhaps in my opinion, the hardest thing we can do as human beings, because in a way we are not, you know, we're not immune to the human experience of having these primitive thoughts, um, always kind of running amok and, um, the training of being able to separate and observe yourself is, is so is difficult, but like you just, it's just like you have this light bulb moment and you're like, Oh my God, like 
suffering is in the mind. <laughs> like it's not, it's, it's, you know, and, um, it is, it's the same thing that I get with a lot of my, my clients who are like, yeah, but I'm in this situation or what if a stressful event comes up and it's like getting to that place of like, but irrelevant, irrelevant, <laughs> you know? And, um, that is so profound. So you were in this situation. So did you, um, was this just like a lot of self-reflection and then you're like, Oh my gosh, I've had this like awakening and epiphany. Did you like read some books? Like how did you kind of like get from point A to point B? So it was a very spontaneous thing for me. So I often say it, it happened to me. I didn't choose it. What happened was the suffering of the mind became so severe that I was just lost in this grip of intense suffering that I had no choice. It would force me kind of out of the mind. I, I had to see what was, what was going on because that is the process of the awakening for many people. That's what causes it. It causes it by consistent streams of suffering. It becomes so, you know, so intense that many people can no longer cope with it. And that opens up an opportunity for awakening. So that's what happened to me. It happened to me. And then I started reading books. I started, you know, looking into what was going on because after this happened and I separated from my thoughts almost and I could see them and I made this kind of internal decision to just drop them. And the mind just went completely silent. That was what happened to me. The mind just went completely silent no more thoughts i was just there in the present moment not thinking i was in the exact same life situation so i still didn't have a job i still didn't have much money you know i still my career wasn't i didn't know where i was going in my career and that sort of thing everything was exactly the same what had changed was the thoughts had stopped it just went completely silent and what happened was this background piece came in it kind of never really left me to this day um and that's what i'm helping people to see is that it, that's an availability to them as well by being pointed in that direction just because a lot of people don't know that it's a possibility to silence the mind of course it did happen to me but it, i have seen that there's a possibility to show people how to do it through various kind of techniques and realizations and that light bulb moment as you often say that comes in to see oh that was what was happening my mind was running consistently so i often say the mind hasn't evolved to keep you happy it has evolved to keep you alive. So when, when all of your baseline needs are met now, so you're well-fed, you're hydrated, you know, you're warm and you're sheltered, your mind doesn't really know what to do with itself because its job is to consistently solve problems. That's what it loves to do. So if it can't find an immediate problem now to solve that it can control and fix, it will then start to create them. So it will start to create imaginary scenarios of your future to worry about, or it will start to bring up things from your past that you didn't like so you can learn how to not make them happen again. So that's the mind's job. The issue is most people don't know how to turn it off. So it just keeps running and keeps creating problems because that's what it's evolved to do. So the freeing realization is that is the mind's job, but it isn't you. The mind is an organ. It's a tool. It's a very helpful tool. And we do need it, of course. The problem is that people don't have to set, know how to set it aside and just be to set the problems of the world aside, set the problems of their mind aside, and what I say, find rest in being. That is the thing that humans are lacking, to, to, to set the thinking mind aside and rest in the present moment. Because a lot of the time when I first say this, a lot of people get a little bit of frustration when I say that, you know, that the majority of our suffering comes from thoughts. I'm not saying that there aren't problems in the life. Of course there is. There's always challenges. 
The issue is that people don't know how to stop thinking about it consistently. It keeps running and they get trapped in it. They don't know how to set their mind aside and rest in the present moment. Now, of course, I know for uh, your listeners, it's a little bit different. The answer's a little bit different there because a chronic illness is a real thing in the present moment. So, of course, that isn't just thoughts. There is a real thing. Um, but it is applicable there too to see, I suggest, are there any thought processes being added to the illness that are adding an added layer of suffering that doesn't need to be there? So often what that sounds like is something like, uh, are there thought process going on to the chronic condition of, I'm never going to be happy again, or I can never experience joy again, or this you know, it begins to cloud your entire life and that's all you can see as a, as a construct of mental thoughts consistently running can you see that that's an added layer of suffering onto the onto the chronic condition and can you see what it feels like to let those thoughts go to let the stories go to let the narratives go and that's the added psychological suffering that is being added onto the existing condition so to no longer create this mental story about it if that makes sense, to no longer to label it and judge it, but simply just to see it. There is a chronic condition right now, but you don't then create a story about it in the mind that adds a layer of intense suffering that can be set aside. Yeah. And that makes sense. It, it does make sense. And there's a couple, <laughs> I'm in my mind and like all the questions I want to ask you, but just, <laughs> just, you know, and I know you've talked about this too, but obviously the our body is going to respond as though we're experiencing that event as we dwell on it. So obviously our body doesn't know the difference. And so that is huge because you're thinking about it and you're experiencing it. You're thinking about it and you're experiencing it. Oh, and the cyclical, you know, and then the sort of addiction to, you know, in, in brain training, we, we talk about it like we're creating this neural pathway. We're memorizing this neural pathway of thought and this is how it's manifesting manifesting in the mind and in the body. Um, but there's, there's so much to unpack there. But my first question for you, because you're talking a lot, and I think this is such an important um, like foundational understanding, is the role of the mind being, you know, it's problem solving, right? So would you say the work that you're teaching right now is evolving the human race in terms of kind of shifting that function of, of living? 100%. It is, as I often say, it's the, it's the next step. Of human evolution and hopefully this doesn't sound too hard to believe because we we evolve all the time animals evolve all the time of course so you know we have evolved from the homo erectus into the homo sapien but you know that was the process that happened i would say we are now evolving into the next stage of the human species and what i call that is simply the meek from the bible of course so the, the current mode of humans today is what we could call the egoic version of a human so an egoic human version, you know, sees everyone as separate from me. So everyone is separate, and also it, it dwells in the thinking mind. That's all it can see. So it's consistently running on past and future. It's completely identified with thought. That's the egoic human. The next kind of evolutionary step for humanity is to awaken from the mind and to transcend the thoughts. Because when I say this to many people, they can feel a truth behind it that perhaps sometimes they can't conceptually grasp just yet, which is fine, but it's that you're not your thoughts. Of course you're not. Which one are you? Yeah, they're constantly changing. 
But a lot of people are so in the grip of the thinking mind that they think that they are their thoughts and they, they're identified with them completely. The next stage, the next evolutionary step for humanity is the death of the ego and the awakening from thought to see that the mind is running very much autonomously. You know, from the moment that your eyes open, it just starts running. But you are not it. It just happens to you. You know, it's the saying that you're, you, you don't think in the same way that you don't beat your heart. You know, you're not beating your heart. It's just happening. You're not breathing. You're just, you know, it's, it's happening to you. For the majority of people, their thoughts are happening to them. Their mind open, their eyes open in the morning and it just starts running. But the moment you begin to see that is the next stage of human evolution happening because you're gaining a, a, an ability to consciously think as opposed to the unconscious thinking, which most humans are in the grip of, which very often is the cause of suffering because your, your, your thinking mind develops a certain tone based off of your past experiences, based off of the media that you constantly consume, off of the people around you, that the internal narrative of the mind develops a certain tone to it. And because the world is very often quite chaotic and the news is quite negative, the internal monologue develops a bit of a negative tone. So I often say that humans have a veil in front of their eyes of thought. So they never actually see the world. They only see a selection of the world that's been interpreted by their thinking mind. And if it's a negative veil in front of you, you can imagine it almost as like a, you know, tinted a certain color just towards the negative. It can only allow certain negative interpretation in. So your mind begins to only see the negatives of the world, the negatives of yourself. When in reality, we could say there is no negative. Outside of the human mind, things just are, right? Things just exist. Yet we humans have the ability to label it, to interpret it, to form the opinions of good and evil. But outside of the thinking mind, you know, that the, I know how this sounds sometimes, but the oak tree doesn't know what good or bad is. The dog doesn't know what good or bad is because they can't think. They don't have a thought process they don't have the cognitive capacity to interpret the world they can only observe it so we are gaining that ability now to transcend the mind so we can still think we can still use the mind but it doesn't consume us it doesn't take over us we can then gain the ability to set it aside and to make a conscious decision of the thoughts we want to think and the feelings we want to feel as opposed to the thoughts happening to us and the feelings happening to us which is how most people are currently in the, in the grip of today and I think that that plays into this whole um, sort of stepping into radical responsibility, for lack of a better like phrase, because it, it you're never actually interpreting reality in the mind, at least. Um, it's just being filtered through what you already believe. And I always give the example to my clients. You know, when you're if you have a Facebook and you're still connected with people from way back when, and they're posting these political rants, and they think that it is absolute that reality must be this way. And yet someone else absolutely is live or die by the opposite. And you think, well, we're living in the same reality. Yeah. These people are willing to die by, you know, their beliefs and it's, you will always perceive, you will always see what you want to see period. And then you can play the fun game of, you know, find a circle, find a square, find something pink or whatever. Uh, or um, you hear a word and then all of a sudden it's like you've heard it seven times that day because you're looking out for it, you know? And these are things people can relate to in kind of like day-to-day -day life. Um, but this is the filter by which we're perceiving 
everything. And I think that it aligns with spirituality. And I, and I like to say, okay, for people who are more spiritual, think about manifesting and all these exercises that you're doing to get an alignment is the same exercise that I would have my clients do. Um, but taking kind of a different lens on brain training and changing beliefs to see what you want or quote unquote, attract what you want. Um, and then when you realize, Oh my God, like I can control my reality because it's just whatever I believe it to be basically, because there is no, nothing else. It just is what it is. And I can't possibly conceptualize all of the information at one time. So I get to choose what I want to filter through and how I want to categorize it. Yeah. It changes everything. And I always say your external world very often is an, is a external reflection of your internal state. So this concept that you attract what you are, right? Your external world will always be a reflection of your internal state of consciousness, your internal state of being. So the thoughts you're consistently thinking, uh, I'm sure many people are familiar with Dr. Joe Dispenza, um, who says that, you know, the thoughts that we thought yesterday, 99% of them, or whatever number, 99% of the thoughts we thought yesterday are the same thoughts that we think today. And they're going to be the same thoughts that we think tomorrow, because I call them dead thoughts. They're just, they're happening to us. So you said about, you know, when we see someone post a political belief, and they live and die by it, they'll even lose friendships over this political belief. I often say to people, if you were born in a, in a different country, most likely you have a completely different political belief, right? So very often people don't actually choose their political beliefs, not really. These sorts of stuff happens to us. It comes and filters into our mind kind of, um, you know, autonomously, kind of automatically. And very often people don't really have a say over their beliefs until this consciousness comes in. It's, it's called, we can call it a new state of consciousness, which is, the ability to observe the mind and how it operates, the ability to observe the emotions and how they operate within you. If there's no awareness behind that process, it's, it's just running, you see, it's just happening. But a little bit of consciousness comes in that can, can observe the mind. That is the beginning of freedom for many people because then you can see, oh, why did my mind say that? You know, Why did my mind say that thought? Because I often say to people, you know, most people can see that the, the thoughts that are constantly being thought in the mind are not helpful. Like the mind will often be very destructive to people, very horrible. So it will say things like, it'll even speak to you in the second person sometimes. Have you noticed that? So your, your mind will say something like, you're such an idiot. Why did you do that today? Oh, you're so stupid and all of these things. But I often say, do you want to speak to yourself like that? Right? Do you, can you stop speaking to yourself like that if you want to? Would you speak to a friend like that? No? Then why is it happening? you're not doing it. The mind is, has an autonomous component to it that, that, that feeds you thoughts automatically. But that recognition is the, 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 the next evolutionary step, I would say, for humanity that's happening today. It's the mass awakening that I'm sure many people are going through right now because it's a big thing that's happening. Oprah Winfrey, Jim Carrey, you know, Eckhart Tolle, you know, all of these people, Russell Brand, they're all speaking on it because they're all way going through this awakening process now. It's the, the next stage for human solution I would say. Yeah. And I, and that's uh, such a good like cognitive reframe, especially for anyone who's suffering from a chronic condition. Cause I of course say like my, not to be cliche, but you know, my situation was the best thing that ever happened to me, like losing it all and kind of being forced into a corner um, ultimately mm-hmm. gave me absolute freedom. And, and like you said, in evolution, like you're not going to push yourself to evolve and be uncomfortable unless you have to, we know just from basic 
science looking back that that's never happened. Um, so why would you, why would you push yourself to that place? You know? Um, but then the people doing the work who are being forced to, because it's like, okay, now this is so miserable that literally like, what do I have to lose? I might as well, you know? And then we open our minds a little, cause we're like, whatever, yeah. you know, like it's, it's this, or just basically want to die. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa. Yeah. Um, and so I always hope yeah. so much to, um, like start with that cognitive reframe of like, please, please understand that anyone who's on the quote unquote, like other side has so been there. And that like, again, you're not immune to the human experience. Like you're part of nature. You have to be forced into an uncomfortable position to evolve. I mean, perhaps there are exceptions to that. I don't want to give a blanket statement, but not really in my understanding. Um, and it's just part of the ebb and flow of life. I think. I would say that at the, always in the past, it has been human as a, so, uh, I'm not, I'm not a religious person. I'm more of a spiritual person. I believe that a lot of the religion, the, the teachings that came from these people became misinterpreted. And that's my opinion. Um, but Jesus and the Buddha, these people were very enlightened humans that went through this awakening process that I'm kind of pointing people to now. Um, and they, that's what they taught, right? That's kind of, that was their teachings. That's what they, it got a lot misinterpreted. But Jesus called this part of humanity, this human species, the uh, the birth pains of humanity. And what he meant by that was um, humans have had to go through intense suffering because that is the process of this universe and how it pushes life to evolve because every other species that happens to evolve life you know, nature forces it under hardship to force it to adapt and grow to improve towards the next step, whatever that species is, which I would say is becoming more conscious, becoming awakening out of the mind and becoming more conscious. So Jesus called it the birth pains. And what he meant by that is, of course, when the mother goes through the birthing process, it can be a very, very painful experience and it can last a few hours. But the moment they get that baby in their arms, all of that pain is forgotten about. It's all just left behind, like waking from a dream, and all they can see is this amazing baby in front of them. That's what he meant there, was that humans have to go through this process of suffering to be forced to evolve into what I, what I would call presence, which is the awakening from the mind and experiencing what it feels like to live without the thinking mind, to just be, to find rest in being. That is the most enjoyable thing a human being can experience in my opinion it's what all humans are seeking it's the ability to just be to rest in the present moment so many humans are consumed by doing by carrying out by taking action by thinking constantly trying to achieve they are missing a very important component to the human life and it is the ability to be to rest in being and that is what humans are um, beginning to awaken into but they had to go through this period of suffering. Like you say, many people often say, I would agree with it as well, the hardships you go through end up being the best things that happen to you because it makes everything else more enjoyable and also it forces you to evolve and develop as a person to learn all of these things and to go through this spiritual growth as well. So it's the birth pains. But knowing that, I think, is the most beneficial thing because a lot of people don't know that that's a possibility. They're not shown the possibility of liberation from suffering, which comes from transcending your thoughts. So they think that all life is is suffering. A lot of psychologists still say that as well. They say that, say, that um, suffering is all that there is, so you just have to make the most of it or find the meaning in it. When actually, 
there is a meaning to it, of course, but there isn't just suffering. Suffering is there to push you out of it, to find the liberation of suffering, to experience the, the presence and the peace that exists uh, as you go through the spiritual growth and the spiritual awakening, which comes from recognizing your, your essence, which is awareness, awareness of thoughts, not thoughts themselves. That's most people's first glimpse into what an awakening actually means. And I think also it's interesting because in a way I find that we invite the suffering or ask for the suffering because we are asking the universe for things like peace, um, healing, happiness. You know, when I start um, my coaching, I always say, you know, what is the top two states of being that your soul really wants? And that's to, you know, that's your desire. Most people say peace. It's not always, um, yeah. but you know, and that, and that's like your calling. That's your your soul's experience. What you want when you ask for that, in order to get there, you have to have this aha, this awakening, right? Yeah. And so you consistently are begging and begging and searching and desiring for this this state of being that you want to exist in. So you have to do something different. And so the universe is like, okay, you keep asking me and asking me and asking me. So like finally like this is this is the last kind of resort. I'm gonna push you to it because maybe you'll hear me now. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of like to yeah. look at it that way. And again, this is sort of my opinion from my experience, but I think like what is the phrase like um, you can't have, I don't know, you can't have something different if you don't do something different or something like that. So it's like, if you're going to continue to ask for something that you don't have, but you're not going to make the appropriate changes eventually, because the universe is always going to serve you what you desire, yeah. it's going to be like, fine. Okay, yeah. here yeah. we go. <laughs> and and there you find yourself. I agree with you. Everything, I believe what all humans are seeking for, and it takes a lot of honesty to see this in yourself. But what all humans are seeking for, and a lot of the time they don't know this, but what you're seeking for is the peace of being, I call it, the peace of full groundedness in the present moment, in the here and now, without trying to get anywhere else. That's what all humans are searching for. But a lot of the time, they seek it indirectly. So to seek peace indirectly means you seek it through something else. So a lot of the time, it's uh, I'm just going to get all this money first. And then I can feel at peace. Or I'm going to get this job first. I'm going to get this relationship first. And when I've got all of my external situations right, then I'll be at peace. Now, that's what it means to seek peace indirectly. Very often, what you might find very difficult to do because you can't lock down your present moment to be perfect all the time because it's constantly changing. And a lot of it is outside of your control because it's, you know, it's the external world. So to seek it indirectly through things is often very not a good idea but it's often people have to go through that and they have to you know search search for the money and try and get it they might get it and then see it doesn't satisfy them or they get it and lose it or whatever but that process shows you that the external world cannot bring you the peace that you're looking for only you can and to seek peace directly saves is to say regardless of my external situation I'm going to choose peace. I'm not going to fill my body with resistance to get somewhere else. So we can talk about that. If you'd like to be the concept of trying to get to another moment that isn't this moment. That's the cause of stress. So people try and seek peace indirectly by going out there and searching for it. But actually the peace is here and now. The moment you stop the search, the moment you stop seeking something and just rest in the here and now, that means that's what it means to seek peace directly. It's to say, I'm going to allow everything to be as it is. 
and I'm not going to resist anything. I'm just going to make friends with it and be with it. And usually then peace starts to arise from within. So I often say peace isn't an emotion. Uh, the word emotion means to disturb. So emotions are disturbances in your natural state. So if you picture yourself at a lake, in your natural state, you are the still calm lake. And emotions are the ripples in the lake. They are the anxiety and the fears and the stress and the worries. And that's how most people constantly are. It's waves and crashes all the time. Mm. But peace isn't an emotion. Peace is your natural state. And you can sense that as you allow yourself to bring yourself back to the still calm lake. Because the majority of the time, what's causing the ripples is your thoughts. They're like stones being thrown into the lake, causing ripples and disturbances. So that's what I showed you. As you silence the mind, the ripples stop and you return back to your to your natural state, which is rest and peace and stillness in the here and now. Hmm. Yeah. And it's an important distinction, which is why I always say like, what are the states of being, like you said, versus like an emotion, because this is always available to you. So then we kind of have this as an anchor, like we are now not cognitively ever sort of allowed to search for it because it is existing here. Mm -hmm. So when my, my, you know, at the beginning of our time together, they say, Oh, I really just, I'm not able to find the peace or, or, you know, the calm or however it's described. Um, but it's here. Like you don't need to go and find it, like you said, um, and that, but like being able to separate this idea that it comes after something else is achieved externally is huge that it's available and it's, you know, you can find it. This is what I, I like to do. For example, if it's a really difficult time, nature, it's already there. You can find harmony, you can find peace, you could do, you know, however you want to find it. And you realize it's all around you constantly existing in the present moment. So, and then you are part of that, you are part of nature. So then you can tap into that whenever you want um, or tap out of that. But it's only the, you know, all of the, well, I worked in marketing for a while, but the distractions and that, you know, we're, we're quite clever with the media and the distractions that, that understand and I think know this and try to use it to the advantage of things like consumerism. And like, once you, you know, we know what people really desire. So once you, um, have this, you can have what you desire. And we're obviously training our brains to think that it's not already ours. Um, and that's how, you know, it works in my opinion, (laughs) how I see it. Um, so it's it's a huge, huge distinction. Yeah. And you're right. The the media companies, the big corporations, they know this. They know how to trick your, this is, this is what I call egoic desire. And egoic desire is you want something to then make you feel happy. So I often say to see through mind-made uh, value. That's what I call that, mind-made value. So mind-made value is the illusory sense of value that we give to certain things and certain objects that we believe are going to give us a sense of superiority, a sense of status, that means nothing, right? It's, you know, what's the difference really between a, a Lamborghini and a Ford Focus? When you when you really look at it, you, your mind can say lots of things. One looks nicer, one goes faster, one's whatever. But when you really look at the world, you only need a certain amount of things to be met, a certain amount of needs to be met in order for things to fulfill their function, right? You just need a car that can get you from A to B comfortably, right? That's the truth. Mind-made value comes in when you project an illusory sense of value onto this object that thinks, right, it's going to make me feel superior in some way. I'm going to be above other people. I'm going to be respected and these sorts of things. This is a really powerful thing is to be able to see mind-made value, to see the 
that is not valuable at all, really, and then to drop it because you don't need that much in life to feel, you know, peace. Just, you know, the basic levels really is what's needed. I would call everything else mind-made value and egoic desire, this idea to, to add something to yourself because you're not feeling enough already. That's what it is. I don't feel enough right now. I need something else, so then I'll feel enough. But it's a bottomless pit. You're going to be constantly filling it with things. The truth is, of course, you are enough already because you are, it's what I call being. You are life. You are nature. You are a, a, you know, a human being. In, in your essence, the peace that you are is enough already. You don't need anything else to add on to that to feel enough. And when you begin to see that, that's usually when peace starts to arise because you are seeking it directly as opposed to seeking it in things and objects and, and things like that that won't make you happy anyway. Yeah. I can't remember the exact statistic, but it's something like the chances of you being born are like one in something trillion. Mm. Basically, it's impossible. It's hard. Yeah, like, hard. yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it, that's just never going to happen again. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and if anyone were to say like one in something trillion, like no one would ever place that bet because it, it is, you, we would consider that impossible. Yeah. The odds of you being born are basically impossible, yet you are here. So that in itself is the proof that like you are the magic, you are it, you are the ultimate, like look at the planet and you kind of sit above um, with your conscious awareness, being able to have these conversations and do these kinds of things. And that's it. Like, I feel like that's like the ultimate, <laughs> like freedom, like just already by existing Yeah. and yeah. everything else is just kind of trying to take away that power or we're giving it away a little bit of both, not consciously, perhaps most of the time, but just giving it away until you can come back to and realize. And I, I should write that statistic down because I think it's so powerful, like to have that like perspective of like, holy shit, this is like, that's wild. I'm very special. Yeah. And is, is it one of the most, you know, it's the most important thing that could happen to, you often say, the universe is a lot of people still feel the sense of separation. It's like the universe is there and I am here. I will say that's not the case. Right? Every atom, every cell, every molecule that makes up your body and your brain comes from the stars, the planets, and the universe. So you are not a human being experiencing the universe. You are the universe experiencing itself consciously. That is the truth. There is no separation between the two. And that is when a lot of the time, a lot of peace starts to come into people's lives because the moment you see yourself as separate, that's when fear comes in because you see yourself as this little body with a, you know, a, a little needle can penetrate your skin and you're on this giant rock hurtling through space. Mm-hmm. We don't know why we're here. It's a, you know, it'd be weird not to feel anxious during that. But when you recognize that you are not separate from the universe, you are the universe. There's no separation. It just it's an illusory sense of separation that comes into the mind because the mind filters things and separates it all into neat little components and schemas and you know things like that. But in essence, you are the universe experiencing itself consciously. What a miracle! Do you know what I mean? Like what? What? Mm. When you when people really get that, it's like, what else do you need to see that you are this universe momentarily experiencing itself through this human being for a brief moment? You know, how amazing. That is usually when that feeling starts to arise of, wow. (laughs) Yeah. And with like the ultimate power to enjoy and not be immune to just like 
most of nature, it just, life just kind of happens. And obviously nature, well, I don't know. I'm not an expert. I know some nature is perhaps more conscious than we think, but you know, it's like, we talk about manifesting, like just by changing your perspective, you get to see the things you want and do the things you want. You have the senses and you can taste the things you want. like, everything is a gift like, and is amazing when you can actually enjoy it. But of course that involves being in the present, um, which no one ever really is these days more so, but that's my next question for you, obviously moving into the work that you do. So people are like, okay, this, this sounds great. (laughs) All this stuff we're talking about, um, you know, but getting there, Mm -hmm. like what, what does that like involve? Obviously I know like that's the work that you do, but just maybe some like higher level, some higher level, even education of like, what does that even involve for someone who's like, I really want this, but I just like, don't even know where to begin. Yeah. So of course the first place to enter into and to see is that the present moment is all that there is. It's it's becoming a lot more present now in our culture. Eckhart Tolle and Ram Dass, you know, be here now. These spiritual teachers are really bringing it into our culture. Um, But the present moment is all that we ever have. Okay, so a lot of people still don't really know this and haven't grasped it fully. But there is no past anymore, right? We can. It takes a little bit of a moment to see this. You can't think about this. You can only feel the truth to it, which is that there is no past right now. There is only this moment. There's memories of the past. We can remember it. And there's some leftover emotions in the body from the past that we can call trauma. But the actual events of the past no longer exist. In the same way, there's no future right now. Right? We can think about the future, of course, but the actual events of the future don't actually exist right now. There is only the present moment. So the present moment is the only place you can ever experience the, the, the thing that I'm talking about here, which we could call presence or being. It's the only moment that you can experience it. So in order for people to kind of get this, I often say that for most people, they live their lives as if you know their mind creates an image of a really desirable future that they really want. So it could be things, it could be, you know, if you're going through an illness as well, it can be, you know, this illness being gone, which is so understandable. But what happens is the mind creates the image of that being the case and it projects it off into the future. And then what happens is you start trying to claw your way through time out of the present moment to get to that future. Now that is the direct cause of stress. And stress is one of the biggest killers for humanity. It's one of the biggest causes of, I would say, psychological suffering as well. And the direct cause of stress is when you try and get out of this moment to get to another moment. You are resisting the present moment to be some other future. But when you can see that that future is not a reality, you are just thinking about it. It's all that is happening. You create an image in your mind of what you would like your life to look like. And then you start to despise this moment to get to another one. So in order for this to kind of ground in people, I often say, to change your relationship with time. Because most people view time as if, uh, you know, as if the future stretched out in front of you, the past is stretched out behind you, as if you're the one moving through it, right? That's how most people see time. You know, time is a fixed thing, and then you're the one making your way towards the future. Now, I would suggest that is wrong. That is not the case, because you never leave the present moment, right? You're never not in the present moment. So you never leave one moment to get to the next one. So I often say you're not moving through time towards the future. I often say time moves through you, right? You never leave the present moment. So most people view that thing that they want off into the future and they start trying to get there because they think that they can. When you see that time moves through you, the future makes its way towards you. 
it grounds you into the present moment because you see that there's nothing that you have to do in order to get there, right? You are the rock, time is the river. It flows through you and you can't get out of the present moment. That is the truth. But as you really see that, it forces you into the here and now and then you do everything that you can in the present moment. You enjoy the present moment. You turn your attention to it. You make friends with it. Why? Because it's the only thing that there is. And you stop trying to get out of this moment to get to another one. The moment that groundedness begins to come in to the here and now, most likely that is when a lot of stress begins to leave people's bodies because the majority of stress comes from trying to get out of this moment to get to another one that exists only in the mind. You can't actually get there. It's not a possibility because this is what there is. So that recognition and realization releases a lot of stress from the body because you're no longer resisting the now to get to a moment that doesn't exist. You fully ground yourself into the present moment. And that is where the peace is that people are searching for. It's right here. That's why Jesus used to say this a lot. He, he was just such a wise man. that They got a bit lost. But what he used to say was, the kingdom of heaven is here and now. The kingdom of heaven is within you. And what he meant was, it's not a place. That's not what the kingdom of heaven is. It's not a place. He was pointing people to, to a dimension within themselves that is peaceful in the here and now. It's the, the centeredness of being present without trying to get anywhere else. And as you do that, the majority of suffering begins to go because you're no longer resisting life, which is only ever this moment. So I often say that there's two big causes to suffering. It's resistance to what is. So there's something in your present moment that you don't want, so you resist it, try to get out of it. Or you're desiring for something that isn't. So there's something in the future that you want, and you try and get out of this moment to get to that one. Those two processes, I would say, are the biggest cause of suffering. So the moment you can see that there's no future to get to, and also that there's no uh, thing out there that's ever going to make you feel fulfilled, because the thing you're looking for is your essence, your being. Being, which means to be here and be now, that's what you're looking for. So the moment you see that can help you to drop your desires, and also seeing that resisting what is does nothing. You know, what does it do to resist something that already is? So it also applies to, to the physical uh, or you know, emotional, chronic conditions that people fall into. It's to see what does resisting it do? So that doesn't mean to say, I can't do anything about it. Of course not. It doesn't mean to say that you're not going to do the brain training work and you're going to you know, heal yourself from those things. But it's just to see that right now, perhaps there's pain. Can you see that resisting that pain does nothing? And it, it takes a bit of experimenting with yourself for just trying it, just, mm. just to see. The word is surrender. To surrender into the present moment, to surrender into what is, and just allow it to be there now without the resistance, which is to say, you know, I don't want this, I want that. I don't want it to be like this, I want it to be like this. That's the resistance pattern. But just allow it to be there and see what it feels like. Just to, to see what it feels like to just drop the resistance to it and, 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 just, and just allow it to, and to just look at it, just to observe it in your body. And if you do that and surrender to it, what you should find is that a big portion of suffering that you were experiencing begins to drop away because of the big portion, the 95%, I would say, of the suffering comes from the mental resistance to our now, our present moment, as opposed to uh, allowing everything to be. And why should you allow it to be? Because it already is, you see. It is as it is. The present moment is as it is. So that is the secret to living, is to allow what presents itself to you to be 
and to just accept it, to just be with it and to allow it to be there. And the practice is, can you do that now, right? So just become really conscious to your present moment. Is there anything that you're resisting in your body? Is there anything you're resisting in your, in your present moment? Can you see what it feels like to just to lay down your sword, to, to just surrender and to just stop the resistance? It's not a it's not a disempowering thing. It's an incredibly empowering thing because you're you're seeing that I'm no longer going to say no to what's happening. I'm just going to accept it from a neutral place, and then you begin to take action, and then you begin to work towards whatever it is that you're doing. But you drop the initial trying to get out of it, which is the cause of stress and suffering and all of those things that start to arise. Surrender, surrender to what is, surrender to the here and now. And what you should find is peace starts to come in. Peace starts to arise naturally because you've laid down your sword and you stopped and you stopped the search, which isn't out there because the thing you're searching for is within you here and now. And that is the art of living. That's so profound. I wish I could like um, <laughs> just take that clip, that answer. I'm going to have to do that and just listen to it, you know, like every day. Um, it's so true. There's so much came up. I mean, like, well, you know, reflecting on the teachings of Jesus, I think I think about how he says, like, um, I am. Yes. Yeah. And everyone's yeah. always trying to unpack, like, what does that mean? You know, it's just yeah. like I am. Yeah. You know, Being. and it Being. really resonates, doesn't it? Um, and coming from someone who was raised in a really religious background, and then now I would not consider myself religious; I would consider myself spiritual. Um, but I I have read and studied the Bible. Mm. a lot. Um, and there's, I agree, like the teachings are, they're right there. They're right in front of us, but Mm. because we are human beings and we see things in the way we do, we have sort of created this like picture of like in the future, this will be in right now. Like it's all about suffering, you know? And it's, it's so, it's such a different, a different way of, um, interpreting that. And obviously I would say the way I believe it should have been interpreted. But the other thing I was going to say is something that I think is helpful for that surrender is this idea that I believe the universe is always conspiring in our favor. And I think when you have that sense of trust, because it can be that friction also comes from like, oh, I was dealt a shitty deck of cards or, oh, this is unfair. But when you reframe it to like the universe is conspiring in your favor, you are the universe manifesting what you desire. That is why you are here and it is for you to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes a lot easier to rest in knowing that this is for you. Yeah. Um, you know, this is presence is the present, let's be cliche, you know, like all of it is for you to enjoy. Um, and and really trusting in that in every moment makes it a lot easier, especially when, like you said, like talking to people who ha- are dealing with chronic conditions and it is this thing that's like day in and day out. Um, and there was there was a last point that I was gonna say, but then I've lost my my thoughts there. Um, so perhaps it'll come back to me, but that's just like, so, oh yes. Okay. So what's interesting about that, you said, you know, um, kind of the root of suffering or the root of pain. So one of the things that I do talk about that I'm, um, that's really compelling evidence of the work that I do is, uh, hypnobirthing, which is, you know, like the brain training for birth. Um, and what's really interesting about it is, you know, the pain actually comes from the resistance of the process, right? And I'm not at all sitting here and downplaying the experience because I have been there and I understand, but it is actually coming from resisting this, the surrender to what's happening. And there are a million reasons why we do that, but that's what's causing the pain. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult, but if you can be 
sort of turn off like, you know, the more the neocortex, if you will, and you can just be lean into now um, and trust now you can fully turn it off. If you fully surrender. So there's this element again of trust, whether it's in the universe or in your body and the process or whatever that I believe is involved in this process. And I've experienced that. And I talk about this all the time, like, Hey, you guys, it is possible. Like I've done it. Um, and there were moments where there was not that surrendering and the sensation was there. And then there, the rest of it was the surrendering. It was just gone. Right. It, was, it was magic, you know? Right. And I can relate because everything is kind of like symbolic in my opinion. And I just relate that so much to life, like this fear, pain, tension cycle that we get into, like pain is experienced physiologically from this resistance we have, which of course makes sense because of adrenaline and how the body works. But if you can kind of understand it and take that lens on it and see like the symbolism there, it's like, wow, how this manifests on so many different levels. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because I agree with you. I hope it's not offensive for me to say this. As a man, I would never downplay the pain of childbirth. But so the story of Adam and Eve, of course, I believe was just a parable. It was never supposed to be taken as literal. And of course, in the story, it talks about God says, you know, after they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he says to Eve, you're going to feel the pain of childbirth. And the reason why, and I know this because my sister's done it as well, and she's done hypnobirthing, and she's described it, and I knew this already, so I was so glad to see that it was actually true, which is that when we gained that certain level of self-awareness, which is, of course, what the parable was pointing to, we gained the ability to resist the natural flow of nature that all other life doesn't have to, you know, the bird can't resist life. It has to fly south for the winter, you see. It doesn't have a choice. Life pushes it to fly south, and it rests in being, and it guides it. So. We humans gain the ability to resist nature. We have this certain level of free will that other animals don't really have. So the, the childbirth is a really nice example, which is that the reason why humans, humans, the human body can give birth, my sister has described it in incredible detail, which is that the hypnobirthing is you relax into the process. You allow yourself to not panic, which is what usually happens. And it's because the person feels like they have to give birth. It's like, I have to do it. When you don't, you, 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 you rest in being and nature does it for you, right? But the human thinks, I have to do this. So the pain comes in, they resist the pain. They start to panic. They start to fight with the pain. And it become, they become to tense up. And then that's what happens. You know, that's why we need medication and things like that to give birth as human beings now. But my sister described it as when she was doing the hypnobirthing, at a certain point, as you relax into the pain and you stop and you surrender, she said that, Something took over her. She stopped. She wasn't there anymore. Something took over her and the birthing happened to her. That's mm-hmm. being. That's what being is. Being resting in being is a, a, a higher power, we can call it nature, whatever word you want to use. It's what the word God used to mean. It became this interpretive. I call it being. Being is the life that guides you as you surrender to it. So you're, you're correct. I believe it very strongly that the life is in your favor. The thing is that most humans are resisting it. They're resisting the natural flow of life. And they're turning away because they want their own little preferences and their own little desires and things like that. So as you drop your individual self and rest in being, the birthing is a nice example. Life takes over and it does it for you. The pain goes and the birthing happens. It's a miraculous thing to know that, um, mm. that it's a possibility. And it is a reflection of all of life. It's to, to not resist what's happening, to stop, to, to lay down your sword is the, the, is the saying. This is what the saying the meek shall inherit the earth means, which means the meek are the egoless, you know, those without an ego. An ego is 
I want this. I want all of these things. I've got to do everything. And I am a little individual human. The meek see everything as one with them. There is no individual separation. Everything is one. Everything is togetherness. Everything is part of the same nature, the same source. But as you lay down your sword, lay down your ego, and rest in presence, rest in being, the suffering begins to go because you are connecting yourself back into life, back into being. And of course, that's what the story of Adam and Eve always meant, to eat from the tree of life and become one with God. That's what the saying says. I would say that as to eat from the tree of life, that means to live presently. So, so they, they said to live forever. That's not very accurate because you're not living forever. You live timelessly. You just live fully in the now, in the present moment. That's what it means to eat from the tree of life. It means to be fully one with the here and now and you're fully one with being, which means fully one with nature. You're no longer resisting anything. You are here. You're present. You are laying down your own preferences and desires and you are resting in being. And then being can then look after you, which is the universe, nature, whatever word works best. God mm-hmm. looks after you. But you have to make the first move, which means to lay down the sword and to move to it and make friends with it. Because of course, you are it as well. There's no separation. You are a manifestation of the universe. You are a manifestation of the energy, a manifestation of God. That's how powerful you are. So people will often say, you know, I've been dealt a, a, a bad hand and things like that. Okay. You are a manifestation of life. There's no separation between you and life. You are life, right? You are the, the one life experiencing itself in this body. That's how powerful you are. The moment you see that is the moment you can then begin to manifest whatever word you want to use that's the power that comes but it comes from making the first step it's by dropping your ego and saying i am one with life and i'm going to surrender to the higher power and allow it to guide me and usually what you find is when you do that life starts to go pretty okay life starts to work itself out but it takes that first step to be to to be done first to to surrender to it first yeah, and I think also it it backs up m- my theory, which is our bodies are always working for us. They're always yeah. trying to get back into homeostasis. And actually, we have this idea that we have to do so much to heal. But healing happens when you do less and you let your body do what it is going to do and wants to do. And like you said, we are always in our own way. And obviously, I take this nervous system approach. Of course, I also have done a lot of other things, but you almost get into this cycle, especially in the chronic illness space of thinking or in, you know, chronic anxiety. It's like, I have to have this morning routine and these 17 things that come in this hour. And then I'm stressing because I didn't do this thing. And it's like doing, 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 and this is how I heal. And it's the opposite. Not that practices, mindfulness practices or anything like that aren't useful because that's not what I'm saying. Um, quite the opposite in some sense of the word, but it's your body wants to heal but we're so often, and I, again, from a nervous system standpoint, we're in the way, mm. we're stopping it, we're dysregulated chronically. Um, and when you get out of your own way, that's what regulates. Like when people ask the million dollar question, well, how do I regulate my nervous system? It's like, well, that's a loaded question, but doing this, this is the ultimate. This is getting back to regulation, which is when your body can finally start to get back to homeostasis. And that's where healing happens because we have the tools within ourselves to heal. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that 
we should stop everything else that we're doing. No, but I think we're massively missing the mark in the healing space. Again, this narrative that everything is outside of you, everything you need, and it's very complex. And you have to buy all these things and do all these things in order to access what other people have who have healed and fly to this part of the world, you know, and it's just not the case. And we're taking all of the power away from the mechanisms we have built into the infrastructure of our DNA to get our body back to that baseline or to optimization, you know, and that comes from this work, in my opinion, like this is what we're fighting for. And I think that's so freeing because we can all do it. Like it's not that one person can and you can't. It's we're all the same. We all have that ability. Like you said, we all have that power to be self healers. And that's why I always talk about it being self healing. Like it's not, it needs to, we have to stop the narrative that someone else is healing you. It's always you healing you. It comes from within and you tap into that. And I think we have to shift that narrative of like, my body's fighting against me, which is in the chronic illness space, very much the case. Like, oh, you have autoimmune disease, your body's fighting against itself, you know, and you start to villainize your body and it's just the opposite. Your body is trying to heal always. Yeah. And it's connecting that mind, body, spirit in alignment. That's when the healing starts to happen. And as you say, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's not a doing. A lot of the time it feels like it is, it, it, but it's, it's a being. It's finding being and then taking action. It's a, it's a higher empowerment of action. It's, a, it's, it's what people call the flow state very often. The flow state is when being begins to work with you, when life begins to work with you. That's, that's the, the natural state humans are, are supposed to be in. And it's where we will be continuously at one point in our that's our, that's our evolutionary journey that's where we will be one day mm. whether we make it is the next question of course but <laughs> the the truth is yes when you get out of your own way you know when it, that's what taking psychedelics does it's when you take psychedelics there's not more neuroactivity there's less right it, it, your mind just stops that's the that's the pattern that's the process you get out of your own way and life can then heal you it's the illusion that I have to do everything to keep my life together. When in reality, no other animal thinks that we are just animals. Can we see that there is an essence of life that is wanting to help us? We just have to get out of the way and allow it to. And that is usually when the stress starts to go, body and mind and spirit become in alignment, and then the healing can happen. And of course, you still do the things that have helped and the training that you give and things like that. But it's it's a different empowerment to it. It's a, a surrendered action as opposed to a trying to escape something to get to another moment. It's a you surrender to the now and then just work with the, what's presenting itself to you as opposed to trying to get out of it. I would say that is the, the spiritual approach to to healing and to living, to connect with being and work with life, which means to work with the present moment and not try and get out of it to get to another moment that doesn't exist. Totally. And like you said, absolutely stop separating the mind, body, and spirit. Because unfortunately, in our society, at least, um, in medicine, it's just the body. There's no, you know, and there's no really even like the understanding of like the mind body connection in the Western medicine model is like, so, so uh, just Mm. not even helpful in my opinion. Like Mm, we're so far away from the truth. Um, unfortunately. And like that separation just makes it absolutely impossible. And it's why like so many of my clients, by the time they've gotten to me, they've actually done like almost quote unquote everything. Like they've taken this integrative approach. They've done all the detoxes, they eat all the quote unquote right food and they drink 
great water and they have all these great practices, you know, and it's like, why is it not working? I'm doing all the things, you know, yet here I am. And like, it's so frustrating. And it's like, you have to stop seeing these things as separate Mm -hmm. um, because there will never be full healing. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's so complex and it doesn't help um, having a lot of these kind of messages like reinforced through practitioners and the system and all of that when it comes to the chronic illness community. Um, And so it really truly is like unlearning, (laughs) unlearning everything you've been told to be true um, and and finding the answers within. And this is what I say, you know, um, the answers come in the silence and it's really hard for people who have chronic conditions of any kind because they tend to be very type A as a trauma response. And um, am I doing it right? Is there a checklist? Is is this how I'm supposed to be feeling? And it's like, you, it's that point. And we finally, I stopped getting the questions of, was this the right answer? Mm -hmm. Or like, was I supposed to do this at two o'clock or three o'clock? And it's like realizing that the answers only come in the silence. They come from within. And that's the only way to get there. Unfortunately, I can't do that. That's why you're a self healer and I'm not your healer Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I'm not. And in that moment, that's where it all connects. And that that's where it all makes sense. Mm. I think if one thing that people could just hear is that you know, there's nothing wrong with you. Not really. You know, that's what people hear. There's, there's something wrong with me and that's the issue and I need to fix it. When in reality, mm. you, it's not really the case. It's just a process of recognizing that what's happening and seeing that it's not out of your control to do something about it. So there, there is a control that is available to you. I think that's the main thing to know. And that's the surrendering into what is and working with life. Usually what you should find is, as that begins to happen, a lot of the stress begins to go and healing does usually start start to happen kind of on of its own. But even if it doesn't, at least the majority of the stress and suffering that you were experiencing has been taken away, which was coming from the resistance and the stories in the mind being added mm-hmm. to the condition, the stories that we tell ourselves, the narrative that we add on to it, we drop that and just be here and just observe it neutrally. Not saying it's good, not saying it's bad, just observing it. And then a lot of the suffering begins to go. And then I would describe it as a background piece, that even if there is seemingly kind of suffering in the in the foreground, there is a background piece to you that is a piece of being that is there always. So that is the purpose of spirituality. Coming back to the lake analogy, the purpose of spirituality, of course, is not just to, to steal the lake, but to deepen the lake, to see that there is a depth to you that is a connection to the source of all of life itself. That's the purpose of spiritual practice. It comes from introspection, going within. That's what the West is sorely lacking because they are focused on without. What's without? They look at the stars and they look at the microscopic world. They never look within. And that's where you are. And that's the deepening of yourself. And that's the true spiritual healing that comes. Um, And yes, it comes from silence, which I'm so glad you said that because that is the transcending thought. God exists in the space between the silence of your mind. That's why I say the spaces between incessant thinking is where intuition comes in, where being can be felt, where presence is felt. That's where the peace of heaven, as Jesus used to call it, the peace of being exists. The spaces between your incessant, consistent thoughts. <laughs> yes, those little pesky thoughts. I always say, like, personify the voice. Like, if it were a person, with clearly no credibility or 
like who was literally always pessimistic, mm-hmm. who was always incessant, who was just repeating the same thing over and over, would you be friends with that person? Yeah. Would you listen to that person? No. Yeah. Everyone always says no. It's like, okay, great. In which case, <laughs> when you're in the shower yeah. and this person is saying the same thing over and over and over, this inner critic or whatever you want to call it, just think, hmm, mm-hmm. sh- is it wise to be taking advice? For, you know, As a start to the practice, as a start to separating yourself yeah. from the inner dialogue. Um, because that's kind of like step, like you said, like step one is like, I am not, mm-hmm. I am the observer of that. I am mm-hmm. not that narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so funny because as humans, we just, we do, if you think about it like that, you're like, why the heck am I listening to this really annoying, incessant, completely non-credible source yeah. all the time <laughs> and letting it dictate my life. But the moment you can watch it, that is the beginning of liberation. That's what the Buddha used to call enlightenment, what Jesus called salvation, liberation, whatever word. The moment you can see what the mind is doing to you, who is it that's seeing that? That is always the question to ask. So you notice the mind has said something that you didn't want to say. Who is the one that's noticing that? Ask yourself that question for a little while. And over time, you may start to realize, ah, there is the mind, and then there is me, the one observing it. That is the end of suffering, as the Buddha called it, because you can then set this pesky thing aside and rest in being, and that's liberation. This has been so awesome. Like, I can't wait to go back and listen to this episode again. I know there's so much, so I kind of, it's a hard question to ask, but is there anything that I missed or didn't ask that you'd want to add perhaps for someone who is in this state of having a chronic condition and has listened to this episode, not to put you on the spot, but (laughs) just to make sure I didn't miss anything, you know? Um, Yeah. So to not judge yourself to not try and get out of the experience that you're having to to see it for what it is and the answer is always to surrender to what's presenting itself to you it doesn't mean to say that this is how it's going to be for the rest of your life you don't give any yourself any more time other than right here and right now whatever's happening right now can you surrender to just what's presenting itself to you if there's pain surrender to the pain don't try and resist it just allow it to be there if there's you're suffering with chronic anxiety can you just experience the anxiety as arises without trying to get out of it, without getting hold of it and trying to suppress it, which is as most people do? Can you just allow it to be there and just observe it from a, from a bit of a distance, perhaps, to not say, I am anxious, to say, I am observing anxiety in the body? There's a very big difference between those two statements because you are not the anxiety or the one observing it. And as you just end the, the constant resistance pattern, which is to say, I don't want my present moment like this, I want it like this, to just say this is how things are. Hopefully you should notice that a big portion of your psychological suffering begins to go. And the question often comes is, well, what if that doesn't happen? What if things get worse? My answer is always, okay, well, we've been doing this for a little while and it's still there. Let's just see how this works. You can always pick up the resistance pattern again later on if it doesn't work. Just for a moment, which means right now, can you just drop the resistance to whatever's presenting itself to you and see what it feels like to just allow it to be there, to just observe it without any judgment. And usually what happens is a bit of a distance starts to come in uh, from it, a little bit of space opening up around it. And then hopefully the majority of suffering, psychological suffering, begins to go because you are grounding yourself into the present moment. And peace is where, that's where, pres- that's where peace is, is found. 
That's amazing. So I know my next question is going to be then how can people, obviously I'll link all your information in the show notes, but in what capacity do you work with clients and how could people work with you since I'm sure everyone loves what they're hearing? So I uh, have TikTok, it's Luke Therapy, um, or my website is transcendingthought.com. Um, but yeah, I do one-on-one coaching. I have a three-month coaching program at the moment where I help people to ground themselves into the here and now and to transcend thoughts, all of the meditations and things there. Um, the aim of it, of course, is to end suffering. That's the goal. And um, so, yeah, Luke Therapy on TikTok, transcendingthought.com. Uh, yeah, that's where I am. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. I'm super honored that you took the time out of your day to be here. And I know this is going to help so many people. It already helped me. I can't wait to listen to it again um, over and over, I'm sure. And yeah, I just really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. (laughs) 